20 or 30 minutes, we're going to talk about breakthrough. Now, we do not live by breakthrough. So says the scripture, we live by faith. That means we live in what we cannot see. We live in what we don't touch. We live in what we don't always understand. We live in what we believe. We don't live in breakthrough. But you need breakthrough. You see, if you want to go look for a job and and you're talking to the, the person that just got hired yesterday, they don't want to give your resume to the boss because your resume might be better than their resume. Therefore, they're going to throw it in the trash and never get it to the right person. You need a way to break through those barriers and get into the position where God can bless you. You need a breakthrough. So many times in our life, we get to that place in work or finances or health. You're struggling with something. You've been struggling and struggling and struggling and you need a breakthrough. And the interesting thing about a breakthrough, if you ever look at a piece of pipe or something like that, that might have a small breach in it or a small crack and it's just dripping a little bit. As soon as that water breaks through, the rest of the water is going to come out too. You and me need a breakthrough. We need to know how to get positioned properly with God so that we can experience the breakthroughs and the dynamic opportunities that He has for us. We need to have access to that right person. We need to have a family situation turn around. Once you break through, not only are you through, you can also reach back and pull others through the hole that's been created. Picture a a, a wall right here and you can hit on it all day long and kick on it and take a sledgehammer and try to get to the other side of it. But until you break through, you're just beating on a wall. But the minute you get through there, now you can start working on that hole. And once you get yourself through, you can look back and pull everybody else there with you. That's why so many times in your life you're, you're stirred to do something or say something. You're stirred to make a decision, but you're not ready yet because you haven't had the breakthrough necessary for you to bring the other people with you. Because this is an interesting, Moses didn't say, okay, or God didn't tell Moses, I want you and Aaron and your wife and kids to go out into the middle of the wilderness and I'm going to feed you every day and then I'm going to take you to the promised land. No, he said, you go back and get all those people because they need a breakthrough. Your life is properly positioned and you are constantly being propelled in the direction of helping others. 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter number 19. We're going to read just a couple of scriptures beginning in verse number 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. We're in 1 Kings chapter number 19. So the Bible says that there was a prophet named Elijah and he did all kind of awesome stuff including killing a bunch of prophets from, a, uh, uh, from another God and he, he didn't just kill them. It was a real interesting story. He kind of set up this, this who's God's bigger uh, type of a, a conflict like a UFC of the spirit world and, and he gets this, this sacrifice set up and he said whoever can call fire from heaven and light this sacrifice then, then that's the God who, who's a real God and, and so the, all these other prophets come and the prophets of Baal and they, they, they build this thing and they set theirs up and they, they start saying okay bring it down and, and, and the Bible says that literally that Elijah's sitting over there on the side says, yeah, scream louder. Get that God riled up. He's going to send down fire. Wow, you got a great God. He's literally mocking them while they're trying. And the Bible says that they tried so hard that they even started cutting themselves to show how dedicated they were uh, uh, to this demon God named Baal. Uh, but the bottom line is, is there is no other God except our God. He is the grand God. There is no one like him. There's no comparison to him. Somehow, miraculously, he manifests himself three different ways as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he is one. There is no comparison.
comparison to him, he is our God. So this guy, this prophet Elijah, who, who the kings were often scared of because they never knew what he was going to say to them. They never knew what he was going to do, never knew uh, how he was going to act. The Bible says that Elijah kind of runs off and he hides himself in a cave and he's like, I'm the only one left, God. Have you ever felt that way in your family? I'm the only one who even loves you. I'm the only one who even cares. I'm the only one. I'm this. I'm that. That's how Elijah felt. And the Bible says that God goes, that's right, you are. No, he didn't. And he's not going to tell you that either, BT Dub. That means, by the way, for everybody that doesn't text with Matthew Humphrey. By the way, he's not going to tell you you're the only one. The scripture says that God says to Elijah, I've got 7,000 in Israel who haven't bowed their knee to some pagan God. He said, so quit acting like you're the only one and start, and, and and I'm paraphrasing this, and start getting mindful about what I want you to do in my kingdom. So Elijah then goes on, a, goes on a walk, and the Bible says he comes across this man named Elisha. And this is where we pick up. Verse number 19, he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Japhat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. He was with the 12th pair. Yoke means there was two of them. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle. His mantle is literally his, his, his outer coat, his cloak. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto them, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Meaning, what have I ever done for you? Your parents, of course, raised you up to this point. Of course, go honor them. Verse 21 says, And he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, meaning he offered them, he he sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, meaning the thing that used to be known for tying things up, he burned it, and he gave unto the people, and they did eat, and he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Now, there's a thousand different things that are said in that scripture right there. But what I want to do quickly this morning is I want to give you five keys from Elisha for breakthrough. Elisha was known for breakthrough. His whole life screams breakthrough. You and me are going through things all the time and we need We need a push in the Spirit. We need a shove in the Holy Ghost. We need something to break through so that we can go through, so that we can pull others through, so that we can get to the next level in our life, so that we can live according to the Scripture from glory to glory. You need a breakthrough. Number one, he had a lifestyle of sowing. He had a lifestyle of plowing. He had a lifestyle of getting his seed in the ground. Every day, you and me ought to be sowing in some direction. You ought to be sowing the Word of God. You ought to be sowing peace. You ought to be sowing joy. You ought to be sowing your resources into the kingdom. You ought to be sowing into widows. You ought to be sowing into orphans. You ought to be sowing into your family. You ought to be sowing time into your family. Moms and dads, there is no, uh, there is no alternative to time. If you have a job where you work 24 hours a day for 30 days a, a month, every single month, get a new job because your children deserve your time. There is no alternative to time. 
You say, did the preacher just say to quit your job? Now I would try and get another job first. But the point I'm making is, do not go five years from now and go, oh man, my job robbed all my time. No, you robbed all your time because you were stuck in Lodibar, a barren place where there was no time and you didn't want to get back in the king's presence where he says, I've prepared a table for you where you can eat with me in my house. Time is what your children need. Time is what your family needs. Time is the only thing that there's no alternative for in this world. So he had a lifestyle of sowing. He, the, he, he had this mentality where, uh, number one, nobody starts off with 12 yoke of oxen. He probably started with one ox or maybe two ox. And he was, he was plowing and then he realized, man, this is some really tough ground. And he said, I gotta get me some more, I gotta get me some more beef to make this thing work. I've gotta get me some more cow power over here to try to break this thing up. And maybe he was, then he was plowing with two yokes. He had four oxen and then he hit another big old rock and he sat there and said, well, I gotta get me another ox. And he went to the barn and he got another ox and he, he ties that ox up and he starts plowing again and bang, hits another rock that he can't move. He says, man, if three yoke of oxen won't do it, Maybe four will do it. And he does this until he's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, 24 humongous cows, and he's walking behind them, driving them like it's just Tuesday. You and me have to get to the place where we realize I'm going to work my land if it means I work with one cow, fine. If it means I work with two, even better. If I've got to work with 24 head of cattle, I'm going to get my work done because I'm called to press towards the mark, not press towards the mark if it's easy. 24 oxen means it was difficult. 24 oxen mean when everybody else would have quit, Elisha decides, I'm going to keep going. Everybody else was probably sitting on their porch drinking iced tea saying, would you look at that lunatic? Nobody can plow this land. Nobody can get that done. And all of a sudden, Elisha's back there just swatting them going, here we go, boys. We're going to get it. And if I need 13, I'll get 13. You've got to get good at getting the grab another ox mentality. There's a difference for living for God and he's asking you to press and he's asking you to run your race and not to give too much thought to the details. Make sure you develop a lifestyle of sowing regardless of how difficult it may seem. The Bible says that Elijah walks over to Elisha and throws his jacket on him, called his mantle, and immediately Elisha knew what he was called to do. Isn't it interesting that Elisha was not sitting on his porch drinking iced tea and the prophet walked by and gave him the word that he needed, but he was actually working his land because the Bible says that God will bless the work of your hand. So many times we as Christians get to this place where we're waiting for a word, we're waiting waiting for an opportunity. Well, did you know that God can show up at your workplace? If you're believing God for increase in your life, but you're too good to get a job, I disagree with, your, with the fact that you're really believing God for increase. If for whatever reason you have a disdain for working for the Lord and doing everything as unto the Lord, then, then listen, that's not something God wants to put His hand around. God's not looking for the iced tea, uh, 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 drinking, uh, 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 porch sitting, etc., etc., etc. He's looking for the person who in the face of adversity chooses to plow. Now to some of you that might mean working. To some of you that might mean calling your brother-in-law who's cussed you out 77 times. It might mean uh, having a decent conversation with your wife. It might mean having a good conversation with your children. Whatever it is, you're called to press through and get to that point. The bottom line was, is Elisha was good at a lot of things. Number two, 
He left what he knew to get where he needed to be. He left what he knew to get where he needed to be. Sometimes you have to go out to get in. Did you know if Moses had never left the mountain, he'd have never been able to get into Egypt? If he would have never, if the Israelites would have never gone out of Egypt, they never would have been able to get into the wilderness to see that God supplies our needs according to His riches and glory. If they'd have never gotten out of the wilderness where everything was uh, tiptoeing through the tulips because they never were attacked in the wilderness really. They, they got bread on the ground every morning. They got quail when they wanted meat. They got water out of a rock. They were not sick. Their clothes didn't wear out. But if they had never left the wilderness, they would have never been able to get into the promised land. Some things in your life you've got to get out of to get into your next one. Maybe it means changing the level of your conversation with a loved one or a family member. Maybe it means you don't pick up the phone when you know that person is going to do nothing but uh, backbite and, and, and ridicule and do all kind of negativity. Sometimes you've got to get out of a habit to get into a new one. You say, well, I'm trying to lose, I'm trying to lose weight. Well, don't eat at McDonald's every day. Sometimes you've got to get out of one thing to get into another. And listen, I'm not trying to talk about McDonald's. I love McDonald's. I love their sausage biscuits, as a matter of fact. It crossed my mind. It's probably why I said McDonald's right there. But the point that I'm getting at is you've got to get out of one thing to get into another. The Scripture says that a double-minded man can't be profitable. The Scripture, and I'm paraphrasing, the Scripture says that you can't work for Two different things. You can't serve two masters. Elisha recognized the opportunity that says, yeah, I've been working my land to the best of my ability, but I've got to get out of this because God's calling me in to something else. Amen? Amen. So many times in our life we look at things and we realize that we can't stay where we are. Israel had to get out of the wilderness to get into the promised land. Peter had to get out of the boat to get close to Jesus. The prodigal son had to leave the pig, the pig pen to get back to his dad's house. Don't be, when God is stirring you to make a transition, did you know everything he does for you is for your benefit? He's God. He could start this whole thing over tomorrow if he wanted to, but it's his good pleasure to bless you because you are his bragging rights on earth. Whenever the devil came to talk about God, God didn't just go, whack, get out of my presence, which he could have done. He said, I tell you what, why don't you go try Job? Because he won't doubt me. You and I are called for a purpose. And every time you go through a difficult situation, understand that God is positioning you for a breakthrough, but that breakthrough may require a couple things. Number one, you got to be diligent and so in the process. And number two, sometimes you've got to leave an area where you got comfortable to get to the area where God's called you. Amen? Amen. Number three. Somebody say number three. three. Develop the lifestyle of honor. Develop the lifestyle of honor. Honor has far less to do with you, excuse me, with others than it does with you. God's kingdom is built on honor. There was a time one time whenever uh, uh, Michael was, was, was literally rebuking the devil, the archangel Michael, and he rebuked the devil, and he didn't say, I rebuke you, blah, blah, blah. He said, the Lord 
rebuke you because he honors the headship that he is under. You and I can go further with honor than anything else. And listen, in this day and age, honor is a rarity. If you want to get promoted on the job site, if you want to get promoted in business, if you want to have that different thing, if you want to close that sale or do that deal, you get good at honoring the people you're with, the people you're around. Honor attracts several things, but one of the things that honor attracts is favor. If you honor somebody, they want to be in your presence. That's why whenever gifts come into this house like Dr. Randy Caldwell, we're going to have a gift for him. We're going to have something nice for him. We're going to do our very best to bring all our friends and family so he's got a bunch of nice, pretty faces to talk to. I better not bring too many of my friends. They're not so pretty. But either way, uh, we're going to bring a lot of people in here. We're going we're gonna, to uh, do our best to, to, to support him and, because we want him to come back. We want to honor the gift of God. That he's sending to the house. Honor will take you places that no other thing can. The first step that that Elisha took was, Hey, can I please go tell my mom and dad goodbye? I'm going to go follow you and I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth, brother. But but listen, my mom had me and she loved me and she was the one who clothed me and cared for me. And when I was sick, she was the one who held me. My father's the one who believed God for me. My dad, he gave me my first ox and now I've got this whole oxen business and I've got this great plowing mentality and I, I'm just running everything. Ken, before I go, I love you, but can I go honor my parents? Can I go honor my mom and dad? And immediately Elijah's going, well, sure. What have I done for you up to now? I haven't done anything for you other than throw my jacket on you, which had a lot more meaning than just a jacket, of course. But the the thing is, is he looked at that situation and everything began to shift when Elijah said, there's somebody who's filled with honor and that's how this kingdom works. I can use that guy. Develop a lifestyle of honor. Later on, the Bible says that uh, Elijah, who become, Elisha, who becomes Elijah's servant, he becomes his, his minister or servant, which means literally uh, he would wash his hands, he would do all kind of different things and, and take care of him. And, and, and three different times, the Bible says that Elisha, uh, Elijah told him, he said, hey, you need to stay here because I'm going over there. And, and Elisha said, no, no, sorry, where you go, I go. Where you go, I go. He refused to let his, 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 uh, his, his opportunity get away from him by dishonoring the position that he was in. So develop a lifestyle of honor. And then just like Elisha did, hold fast your confession. Hold fast your confession of faith. He said, I'm going to follow you. And then he had three different opportunities to not follow him. But the Bible says he kept right on keeping on. So many times we get to the place where we're trying to figure out what can I do for God? Well, one of the things you can do is keep on keeping on. One of the things you can do is keep persevering in the face of adversity. The Bible says that Elijah, whenever he was about to get raptured into heaven, uh, the Bible says that he asked Elijah, he asked Elisha, he said, he said, what can I do for you? What would you like? And the Bible said that Elisha said, I want double the anointing that you have on your life. And Elijah goes, well, that's a pretty big deal. So I would say this to you. Ask God to bless you. Ask God to bless your children. You say, well, I don't feel worthy. You're not, but Jesus sure is. 
And he paid that price for you and for me. And the scripture says that whenever you get in Christ, that literally you are clothed in Christ. You put on Jesus. You are wrapped in righteousness. When God our Father looks down from heaven, he's not seeing Brian Hallam up here preaching an okay message. He's hearing Jesus speak the word of God into existence in people's lives. Get ready, get, a, get, get effective with your thought patterns because when you ask, the Bible says you will receive. So Elisha was bold enough to say, I want double what I've seen you do. He says, well, here's the deal. If you see me when I go to heaven, you can get that. And immediately Elisha had his mandate. He said, I will lay eyes on this man all the days of my life. He will not go to heaven without me seeing it because I am interested in fulfilling the mandate in my life. The Bible says that they get to a place and all of a sudden this chariot of fire comes down from heaven and the Bible says that it comes between Elisha and Elijah. Wouldn't you like that to be the day you miss church? When a chariot of fire comes in and we all tell everybody about it. It was amazing. A chariot of fire came in and Larry went to heaven and mom's trying to figure out where she's at, where he's at. I'm saying, he went to heaven in a chariot. She goes, I don't believe it. (laughs) But here's the deal. There was a lot of guys, there was a lot of young prophets that followed Elijah around. Elijah was ridiculed by them. We'll point this out here in just a minute. But Elisha was the only one who refused to let go of the promise and put a mandate on himself that says, I will be where God's called me to be. The Bible says that that chariot comes down and picks Elisha up and he rides off into a whirlwind and Elisha looks down. Probably a weird moment if you have to tell the truth about it. There went his, his, his mentor, his his, his, his boss, if you will, goes into heaven with a chariot of fire and a whirlwind. And there's his jacket laying on the ground. And the Bible says that Elisha picks up that cloak. And he walks over to, a, uh, to the river where he had seen Elijah hit the river. And the Bible says that the water parted kind of like the Red Sea. And they walked across the river on dry ground. And Elisha walked over there with that jacket. And he goes, God, if you're with me like you were with Elijah, get this water out of my way. Whack, boom, the water splits. And Elisha probably backed up for a minute and said, it's on now. He begins to walk across that dry ground. Number four, put your faith in action. Put your faith in action. Elisha had received promises. He had received the promise from Elijah that you will have a double portion. But listen, if you don't walk it out, you may have it but not experience it. You may have it, but not experience it. My grandfather uh, won some land in a poker game. My grandfather was a pastor for 60 years. And his great uncle, was that what it was? His great uncle won a piece of property over in East Texas in a poker game. Uh, 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 and, and, And whenever he died, turns out that that somebody found oil on that property. And that oil started producing uh, residual income for the landowner. And, and so uh, my grandfather did not know he owned this property. So he had seven children and they weren't really affluent by any stretch of the imagination. Truth be told, they were very poor. And, and so he had seven children and he started getting these checks from Exxon. Uh, was it Exxon? I believe it was Exxon. I think that's what he told me. Anyway, he started getting these checks from Exxon uh, for a lot of money. 
uh, in, the, in the 60s and 70s. And, and every time it would say, you know, made out to Bill Hallam and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and it would say, this is for the land over there that, we, you know, we've set up on. And we couldn't contact you before, but, you know, we're using your land and we're, we're this and that. And he started getting these, these checks and, and, and being an upright man, he's, he thought, man, the right thing for me to do is to send this back because I don't own any land in in. Uh, uh, East Texas that might have oil on. I don't own hardly anything. I barely own this place right here that I got these seven kids, you know, pulling on my shirt, shirt tails at all times. So he starts sending the money back. Well, come to find out there's a law and, and I'm not familiar exactly how it works, but, but the, the, the oil company, uh, operated on some kind of a squatter's position where if somebody denies owning anything and there's no way that anybody can find any proof to it and all this other stuff, if you start making improvements and go through certain paperwork or something, they can just have the property. So then he gets a letter and says, hey, you know, uh, this land has been acquired through squatters, blah, 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 blah. Got it from an attorney. Said, you no longer have rights. So he says, great, whatever. Well, then he, he starts to get curious once he gets a letter that says he doesn't own the land anymore and come to find out he was the only surviving relative of this great uncle who won this thing in, in a poker game years and years ago and, 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 and he gets to this place where he owns something but he didn't experience it. To this day, I don't know what our family, family would have been positioned at if he would have recognized that God was trying to bless our family at that time and bring overwhelming increase into the house but he didn't see it and he didn't know it and he wasn't able to experience it. There are things in your life that you have that you've never experienced because you've never spoken them into existence. The first thing that Elisha did whenever he got that mantle in his hand, whenever he got that double portion is he wanted to try it out. You say, well, what happens if the water hadn't, hadn't got out of the way? I'd hit the water again. What happens if I pray for something and it doesn't work? I would pray again. The Bible says one time when Jesus was tearing a, par- a parable, he said there was a neighbor who was asleep and another neighbor was across the street and somebody came to visit late at night and he didn't have anything to feed his visitor. So he goes to his neighbor's house, knocks on the door. The neighbor doesn't wake up. He said, man, you got to wake up. I don't have any bread. I need to borrow some bread so I can feed this, this visitor who came in the middle of the night. And he goes, man, I'm asleep in my bed. My children are asleep. I will give you anything you want in the morning, but leave me alone. And the Bible says that the guy started knocking even louder, said, you don't understand. i got to feed my visitor and Because he kept knocking, that guy got out of bed and gave him everything he asked for. You and me have to get to the place with God where we got to look at him with right eyes that say he is not sitting there trying to withhold something. But if you are asking for something, if you're calling the blessings of God, if you're praying for healing, if you're praying for anointing, if you're praying for breakthrough, if you're praying for some kind of increase, if you're praying for just good things to start happening, if you're praying for your marriage and it doesn't seem to work, keep praying. Grab another ox. Don't stop sowing. Don't stop plowing. Don't stop putting effort in whenever it gets tough. Almost done. Y'all ready? Put your faith into action. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not saying. Now faith is. Faith without works is dead. Works, there's an interesting word. I believe it's the word ergon. And it means something real interesting. It means employment. Faith is not employed without works to prove it. Whenever you have a, an opportunity to walk your faith out, walk your faith out. Number five, and the last thing right here. Then we're going to pray for breakthrough. Number five, we're running out of time too. Remember this. God fights your battles and He's better at it than you are. 
The Bible says that after Elisha got this double portion anointing and started walking in the power of God, he walks by and these guys start mocking him and they call him bald. Some young guys. I've heard it taught before that it's actually kids, youth. But the word there in the Hebrew could indicate that it was like the young, some of the young prophets that had been following Elijah. And so when they called him bald, they could have been saying, you know, one without a covering. They could have been saying somebody without a covering. So it could have been some kids, literally. But God's never killed, you know, too many kids that were prophets, you know. So anyway, uh, uh, I, I personally believe it's probably the other meaning of the word, which is young prophets, the guys who were, you know, kind of following Elijah as well. So he's walking by and goes, oh, there goes old Baldy. There goes the guy without a covering. Because before, the Bible says that those guys who didn't walk off with Elisha whenever he followed Elijah, they went for three days looking for Elisha. Now, now, if you've never seen somebody go up in a chariot of fire and run off in a whirlwind, it might be kind of hard for you to believe too. So when he came back and he started saying, yeah, guys, Elijah just went up to heaven in a whirlwind. I bet they're going, sure they did. Sure he did. He went up there and died and you took his jacket and now you want us to follow you. Well, we've been following him a lot longer than you have. You're not the guy for the job. We're going to get somebody else to do the job. We're going to, you're not the guy. You're not the guy. And, and so he's probably getting ridiculed all the time and he's walking by one day and he sits there and they, they scream out and go, Hey, Baldy. Hey, one that's not covered. Where's your dad? Where's your boss? Where's the man? What are you doing now, Mr. Double Portion? And the Bible says... That two bears came out of the woods and killed 42 of them. That's a lot of people. I would say this as a side note. Never get involved in talking about ministers. I don't care what they did. Am I pleased with everything that ministers do? No. But honor doesn't have anything to do with them. It has everything to do with you. If the President of the United States walked in, everybody in this room would stand to their feet. But everybody in this room doesn't agree with every position of every president that we've had in history. We've got to get good at honoring. And then we've got to get good at believing God at His Word when He says He fights our battle. He's the one who goes before us and makes a way for us where there was no way. Amen? I'm done teaching. Stand to your feet. We're going to pray really quickly. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.